You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. I am Ryan Livergood at Roto Librarian on Twitter. Joining me as always from North Carolina, the one and only Trey Barrett. Trey, how are you? Doing well, man. I'm just over here getting rich on uh, NBA DFS tonight. I don't know what you guys are up to, but uh, it's good, man. I'm excited about this weekend's conference championship games. Got and the coming four best s- teams in the NFL. Yeah, no, excited. Four best teams, four best offenses as well. And joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota, from the home office, it's Will Greenwood. Will, what's See, going how, on? Well, howdy, folks. Uh, NBA DFS, I guess like a few years ago, uh, dang it, now I want to bring the name. Uh, Full story, bro. <laughs> yeah, who's the guy who joined the Golden State War? Boogie Cousins, Boogie Cousins. I had it in my head. Boogie Cousins was like a cheat code uh, in, in, in NBA DFS. And I am very curious to see how he's going to affect that team because Boogie Cousins, he was like a top, you know, let's say, let's, say, let's, let's, be, con- let's be conservative and just say top 20 player in the NBA and now join the best team there. But I am very excited to record tonight. Uh, I, yes, I am here in the home office. And I don't think there's a touch of that, though, but there might be. Anyway, have you with you, fellas. Apologies for any audio concerns you, you might have with us. And um, we're not the uh, Fancy Joe's NBA DFS show. That's a spinoff show that's coming in a couple of weeks, hosted by Trey Barrett. So check that out. Uh, we are talking about Dynasty football tonight. And we're going to lead off by talking about Dynasty Lessons Learned. Just a couple of lessons that we learned this year. I think every year you reflect and learn a couple of lessons. So that's what we're going to get into right now. So, Will, let's transition from NBA DFS into Dynasty Lessons. What did you learn this year? What, what are some of your major takeaways from the year? So one big one for me that reflecting back in the year, I was thinking about talking about like coaching changes and things like that and how it affects teams. But that's not overly – I mean, interesting. It's hard to predict with different teams, like how it worked with the Seahawks versus how it worked with the Cardinals – is vastly different when you hire those school coaches. But the big one that it is is listen, listen to when an actual real-life generational talent comes into the rookie draft, specifically at running back, uh, and I, I'm referencing Saquon Barkley, is don't hold back in trying to acquire that player. You're not talking about the Dynasty 101 player in, I would assume, all, all formats. I know it's in a few, but at, at, least, at least most formats. Don't look back and try to acquire that pick. Don't be afraid to trade these other guys who are very, who are first round picks plus something to, to go and get what this could be. Saquon is going to win people championships for years to come because he is incredible. He caught I think ninety one passes his rookie year, and that's that's I feel like it's even under like, nobody cares. You don't even hear about it anymore. And this is like at least my years in dynasty. I haven't seen a prospect like him come through, even including Zeke. Like he wasn't this kind of prospect and maybe pay attention to that drum beat and go and get it, take a risk. And you know, most people that listen to this, I think have multiple dynasty leagues, at least take the risk in one. Look back at some of those deals that seem too expensive at the time. Maybe they don't seem so expensive now, do they? I was talking about this before we started recording in, in some startup drafts where I, I really wanted to take Saquon Barkley, but I just felt like, nah, it's the first round of a startup and he's a rookie and you don't do that. But I think you're right, Will. If, if, I mean, all the signs were there that he was going to be great. Um, there's no sure thing, but 
yeah, I, I like it. I think it's it's a it's a good lesson that maybe we won't have to um, you know apply to this year's rookie draft, but you know um, we'll see. We'll see what the twenty twenty class looks like. The twenty twenty one twenty twenty one class. Oh. Yeah, the idea there is if you believed in everything that was being said and being told about them, and you didn't buy, that's the pro- that's what I want to say is like if you if you have a hundred percent belief and faith in all the stuff you've done to research this player, you think they're going to be this. Don't be afraid to do it. I mean, you might fail miserably. It, it could be, you know, a, a different player. But that's uh, – I mean, everybody's like, you can't accrue any more value than a late first-round dynasty pick. And, well, he kind of did. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Trey, any thoughts on that? Or do you want to jump into one of your lessons learned from, from this uh, season? Yeah, I'll jump into one of my lessons learned. I, I mean, I do. I think that's a great – I don't think there's anything else to say about that. I think it's a good – a really good – um, thought because that's the cheapest you know you, you talk about a guy like Zeke a few years ago um, when, when you get someone who's the kind of the clear cut 101 in rookie drafts uh, acquiring them at that point is the cheapest you're ever going to get them and so you know paying up if you really believe in the guy I like it a lot um, for me uh, it's the, the lesson that I learned was and I learned, I learned this lesson the hard way because I didn't do a very good job at it and that's hammering the waiver wire I think part of that was the fact that I was in too many leagues. And part of that was the, the fact that I just didn't prioritize. I just didn't, it wasn't really on my radar. Um, and, and so, you know, I feel like I, I look back over the course of the season and, and some of the guys that, you know, Tyler Boyd is a guy actually, as an example that I did actually picked up on waivers in a couple of leagues early on in the season. But you just look at some of the guys like Philip Lindsay that really, you know, Tariq Cohen the year before. Um, guys like Chris Carson potentially could have even been on waivers, um, especially after uh, Rashad Penny was picked in the first round of the draft last offseason. So, you know, that, that, those are just a few of the guys. But I, I just think that, you know, being on top of waivers and, and you know, grabbing a difference maker or two, um, during the season. And, and then not only that, but, and this kind of piggybacks into my second one, and, and that was rostering backup running backs in really good offenses. I mean, we saw CJ Anderson. We saw Damian Williams. I mean, th- those guys, you, you were more likely to win a fantasy championship this year with those guys than you were with Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, let's just be honest. So, you know, th- th- those guys were on waivers throughout the season and, they both were in dynamic offenses. Actually, CJ Anderson wasn't even on a, in a dynamic offense until like a month ago. So, but paying attention to these really good offenses where if a running back goes down, Jalen Samuels is another one. Running back like James Conner goes down, whoever it is that gets plugged in is going to produce. Maybe they don't put up the same exact production that James Conner does, but man, they're going to put out, put up really, really close. So, you know, take a look halfway through the season, you know, find the six or eight best offenses in the NFL for running backs. And if they're if the backups or the third string guys are available on waivers, pick up a couple of them because those are lotto tickets that can be absolute difference makers come playoff time. I completely agree. How about like Justin Jackson too, for a couple of weeks there, it wasn't yeah. the fantasy playoffs, but he mattered quite a bit. And that's that, that roster advice that's, hold on to these guys and don't drop them unless like that needs to be your last drop. You need to figure out how to keep these backup running backs on good offense more than any other player. So Trey, I think this is a great point. 
Yeah, and before anyone jumps in, if you're listening, you're like, well, my league's way too deep. There's nobody on waivers. Um, yeah, you might be in a super deep league with, um, you know, Debbie depleted, you know, like, uh, so, uh, but it, when, if you listen to, uh, you know, Ryan McDowell, Scott Fish on, um, you know, their uh, commissioner's podcast, Commission Impossible, they they cited that, you know, the kind of the ideal league size is like, what, what do they say, like a two, two and a half times the starting roster requirements. So if you're in a league like that, you're talking like 22 to 28, let's say it's a, a, a 12 team league. So there are these guys available on waiver wires. And I, I like the fact that you talked about the third string running backs and one of the leagues that we're in, um, I, I was leading in fab going into the playoffs. And I remember when I got Spencer Ware, who was on, on waivers after the cream hunt news. And I'm like, yes, I just got my lottery ticket. He's going to help me in the playoffs. Well, Will picked up Damian Williams for like a dollar. Right? So don't think if you don't get the the backup, you don't necessarily know who the handcuff's going to be. Maybe that that guy gets hurt. So do look at those third string guys. And I guarantee a guy like Damian Williams, even some of those deeper leagues was out there, was available. So you're right. Mine, the waiver wire. That is excellent advice. Because we think this is dynasty. We don't have to do that. Well, you need every little edge you you can get sometimes. And and this is a, this is a nice edge. It's not just, yeah, it's, it's mining, as Trey said. It's, it's, it's not sifting through the easy rocks that are at the end of the, you know, whatever, the, the mine shaft. Mine deep. That's how, that's, how that, that's how that matters. You know, third stringers. It's not the obvious people that you're doing. You need to mine it. I think mine kind of ties into, uh, or can piggyback off the waiver wire. And that's, I've, this is a phrase I just kind of made up. It's kind of like, um, what is it? Drive for show and putt for dough. They talk about in golf. Well, mine for dynasty is make trades during the season for show, but then the off season for dough, because I look back at the trades I made and those trades I made going into the year, those big trades, those trades helped me the most versus the trades I made in the season. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be active trading in season, but I don't know if that's necessarily where you should be focusing your, your efforts because those trades I made in season, I'm looking back the past couple of seasons, uh, you know, they've helped me a little bit, but the, the, the really big deals that have really helped my teams are in the off season. If you think about it, you get those players in place for the whole year. You've got those players the whole year to help your team. And then during the season, as opposed to worrying so much about trades, you can think about how you're going to set your lineups. You can pay more attention to the waiver wire. You can focus on those other things. Um, knowing that you've done the best that you can for your team. I'm not saying you shouldn't trade during the season, but what I'm saying is I want to focus more on the off season on, on those big trades and want it during the year, not stress so much about trades. Think of other ways to help my team. So, uh, you know, that, that's just what I observed. And we'll see how that applies, you know, next couple of years, you know, we're still relatively new to dynasty. I'm still relatively new, but, um, but that, that, that was a takeaway of mine um, this year. Oh, and I, another one that, that doesn't really be back on this at all. I'm sorry, but I want to say it. Character concerns. We had a couple of examples this year. We, we were talking about Kareem Hunt before we started recording the show. There was talk, you know, in the offseason last year about Kareem Hunt getting into this altercation at this Cleveland resort. Uh, we even, you know, joked about that on the, on the show. Why would you go to a resort in Cleveland? Um, but, but there was some, a little bit of smoke there. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty. But But I think my point is, if you know a guy is a character concern, even if nothing's happened for a while, like Josh Gordon, for example, then that, that one's obvious, right? That sh- we, we should have seen that one coming, but we got excited him going to the Patriots. A lot of people did. And, um, you know, then if you, if you have Josh Gordon, you're kind of left holding the bag. 
you know, once, once, you know, he, get, he basically left the Patriots and, and maybe he's done in the NFL. So I don't, I think if you've got guys on your roster, like Ezekiel Elliott's, like Tyreek Hills, they're amazing. Maybe they never have any other issues at all ever in their NFL careers, but why take the chance? Why not try to flip Zeke for Todd Gurley or Saquon Barkley, maybe add a little bit more. Why not flip Tariq Hill for, you know, like a Michael Thomas, guys that can produce just as much, but you don't have to lose sleep at night over those character concerns. So that's one of mine. I mean, I'm risk averse anyway. Maybe you guys disagree with that, but I, I just, uh, character concerns for me, I'm, I'm just going to pay more attention to that. And, um, you know, if, if I've got some character concern guys on my roster, not because ethically I'm opposed to having them on my roster, but I'm, I just don't, I just don't want to stress about that. Cause you never know when that taking time on is going to go off. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. And I, I think my thing is I sold on Tyreek Hill too early. I missed out on having a top 15, you know, let's say like dynasty startup, you know, person versus like a top 40 and did it too quickly. And I don't think that it, it's not to say that people can't become better people. That's not the, that's not the idea, but it's, if you actually truly believe this person has character concerns and there's a trend in their behavior and it, it, it's a little bit of hindsight here, but if you have this, you, 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 it's better to get rid of them and take the risk of, of having, you know, 85% of their production on your team versus zero. And maybe what I should say too, I, it's hard. Listen, I've got Tyreek Hill in a league and I'm saying this, but still in the back of my head, if it comes to shopping him around, he's a hard guy to give up. He's exciting. He's fun to watch. Uh, so uh, maybe the, the alternative strategy is just to minimize um, how, how, you know, how many shares you have of these players in different leagues, you know, using that expression. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe you don't, you don't have Tyree kill on, you know, half your rosters, you have Tyree kill on one or two. Maybe, maybe that's the approach to take just to kind of minimize your risk as opposed to going all in on a player. Cause if you loved cream hunt and you had him, I, th- I think John Bosch, our friend John Bosch talked about this. He, he heavily invested in cream Hunt, and, um, that kind of, kind of, I mean, you know, kind of backfired on him. So um, maybe that's the lesson here too, is to kind of look at your rosters and make sure you're not too all in on too, too, you know, too many of the same players. And maybe don't forget about those incidents. That's the cream hunt thing. I basically forgot about and, and passed off that incident in Ohio. And I've done that with, with Zeke and the, his other behavior after the, you know, him getting accused, uh, for, I think for his ex-girlfriends, anything like anything like that, but just don't, just don't forget about it. So when they when they are riding this hot, uh, you know, when when they are uh, you know a, a hot commodity in Dynasty, I remember Trey. We had a great conversation. Not yeah, we had a great conversation about Cream Hunt and Le'Veon Bell. And I was like, well, I want a little bit more because Cream Hunt is pretty solidified in his role. He's crushing on this Kansas City offense. Why would I ever trade a piece of this Kansas City offense? And I I had completely dismissed his history that he had. Where that you know he could get in trouble, and it, you know you, it's probably more likely that it's just going to be fine versus not. But just don't forget about it. You know, it, it's something to keep in the back of the mind. Where if you can make a great deal and capitalize, it's a good thing to do. All right, guys, we, we might share s- some more lessons later, but we've got some buys and sells to talk about. Buys and sells. Let's transition into our uh, some of our buys and sells early on in the off season here. Dynasty offseason 2019. So we're, we're just going to throw out a few players, talk about them. Um, and, and Will, why don't you go first? 
Oh, sure. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm not, a, I'm on the show. She'd go first, but I felt like I, I went too long on the um, lessons learned. So uh, people are sick of hearing me talk. So yeah, I, I already talked to a lot. So I felt like you guys were canceling me out, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> my first one, actually, I'm going to skip over my first one to go to the second, because that's my most staunch uh, opinion. It would just to be try to scoop up Sammy Watkins wherever you can in Dynasty for cheap. It, he's going to be at his lowest price. He could go, I guess, go lower and you could lose out. But his guaranteed money, his contract is, is quite high. So he, it's, they're not going to cut him. They, there's not a great reason for them to cut Sammy Watkins or deal with it. And so take the injury risk. You're already, you're already getting him at a super discount because talent-wise, he, he's very, very high up there in the wide receiver ranks. And so that's, I feel like Sammy Watkins is the cheapest piece of the Kansas City offense that you can buy, and that's what I want. Yeah, I, I love this. I think it's a great call. And he has slipped down January ADP. He's all the way down at 66 overall, uh, wide receiver 32. Uh, other wide receivers living in this range, you've got the Will Fullers of the world, Doug Baldwin, Mike Williams. Um, yeah, I, I think Sammy Watkins, um, the, the upside, the age over those other guys. Um, I, I, I love it. I mean, you could argue that Mike Williams has, has more upside. I, I'm not a big Mike Williams fan, though. So, And Trey was doing the fist pump when Will was talking about Sammy Watkins. So apparently you completely agree with this. Yeah, it's so funny because I was actually literally tempted to put him on my list. Um, and, and then I just was like, no, you like I talk about Sammy. I'm the like always on the Sammy Watkins train. So I thought I'm not going to I'm not going to mention him. I'm going to find someone else. And so when I saw Will put him on the sheet, I was like, yes, I felt vindicated. I felt happy and <laughs> joyous and all of those things because I literally don't know. I have many leagues where I can buy him because I own him. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, it was, it was nice to see him actually come back and produce this past weekend. Yeah, and when, and when the show comes out, this will be – um, on Sunday, so we'll we'll know who's in the Super Bowl. So it's possible that Sammy Watkins had a huge game in the AFC Championship game, and and maybe it'll be hard. So maybe um, you know, hopefully, if he had a down game in that game, you know, now now's a, a good time to, to so, get him because it's funny how the playoffs. Like, let's say Sammy Watkins has two more big games. Let's say he's the in the Super Bowl. He goes for you know one seventy and two touchdowns. It'll be interesting to see what happens to his his ADP. Right? What what, so, what were you about to say? Yeah. So his cap hit according to Spotrack. For, for next year is $19.2 million for Kansas City, but his dead cap that they'd have to give up is $22.2. So he's not getting cut. They're not, there's no choice uh, except for the next two years for them to try to figure out how to use Sammy Watkins as a great weapon. And if, you're, if you think you don't want a piece of the Kansas City offense, you, you, might, be, you might want to you know, find some other mediums to play uh, fantasy sports on. Yeah, well, you bring up a good point by looking at that because one of the guys I was thinking about talking about, and I'm, I'm not sure where I landed on him, so I left him off the list, was a guy like Jared Cook because when I was thinking about Jared Cook, I, I thought about the fact that he's not necessarily going back to Oakland. He's a free agent, um, and I think if he goes back to Oakland, he's a guy that you could maybe acquire cheaply and he might you know, solve your tight end position um, you know, situation for maybe a year or two. But if he doesn't go back to Oakland, I, I, I think he's probably a sell. So that, I just bring up Jared Cook because I, I, that's important when you're looking at buys and sells this time of year, especially now before free agency starts. Investigate that situation and see, you know, what, what is their contract status? What, you know, what are the odds of them going back to their team? Um, 
you know, what's that team's cap situation? Maybe they'd love to have him back, but they don't have the cap space. So I think that's an important point and, and something very, very smart to mention here. Uh, Trey, what about you? Who's the first guy you want to talk about in terms of a, a buy? Well, this isn't a specific guy, although I do have some names here. But I, I always feel like it's important, you know, coming off a uh, recently completed fantasy season, heading into the offseason, to look back at your rookie rankings from the previous year. And, and if you don't actually do rookie rankings, then look back at the rankings of the people you respect in the, in the you know, rookie ranking um, uh, realm and, and see who are the guys you really liked. And, and go out and those guys who maybe had a little bit of a disappointing rookie campaign, whether it was due to injury, whether it was due to situation, um, I, you know, some of the names I have down here were all second. Oh, yeah. And, and the other thing is to to focus on those rookies with high, that had high draft capital. So I've got four guys here that I think I would buy um, in almost any league where I was able to get them uh, at a reasonable price, which I think for me would probably be a second round rookie pick for 2019. Um, and these are all guys that were drafted in the second round of the NFL draft. Mike Gesicki, Dallas Godert or Goddard, or Gettert, uh, Christian Kirk, and, and Dante Pettis. You know, th- these are all guys that for one reason or another, whether it was landing spot or usage or injury, just did not quite meet the expectations that we had for them. But if you look at the track record of second-round draft picks at these skill positions, it's pretty decent. Two of these guys are, are tight ends, and two of these guys are wide receivers. Tight end, we, we know – Usually, I mean, we've been spoiled by Evan Ingram. We've been spoiled by guys that have splashed early on in their career. Man, I, I think that Mike Kosicki and Dallas Goder both have the opportunity to be tight end ones in 12 to 24 months. Um, you know, I'm not going to go in, in depth into each of these guys, but ultimately the, the general concept is find rookies that you liked. Carry uh, on Johnson's a little higher end guy that comes to mind for me. He's a guy that I think is going to be a top 10 dynasty tight end probably by the middle of next season. Um, and, and I think he's a guy you could go out and buy a little bit cheaper now than you can in, in six or eight months. Um, so anyway, guys with, with high draft capital that, that underperform that you could buy at a little bit of a discount. Yeah. I, I, I think, that 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 that's really good advice, and th- those are some some guys. Some of the like depending on the league and how people value them, you could get some real steals, and it, it could turn out to really benefit you. Um, all of those guys, I, I think. I, the I tight ends pick, what's I was, that? Go ahead. Are we prepared for uh, Lions running back to be a bell cow with Kerryon Johnson? And then what about a guy like Ronald Jones then on the opposite side of this? Cause like his sick, didn't really flash this whole year. Goder did. And he, he, you know, he was in games where everybody's seen uh, Christian Kirk. Nobody watched the, nobody, nobody watched the Cardinals for Cardinals fans. And then, uh, that, you know, Dante Pettis had, had some big games at the end of the year. And what, what about, what about guys that did like absolutely nothing like Ronald Jones, Trey, what's your opinion about him? You know, I think Ronald Jones is a very interesting I, – I, he's a guy I've actually inquired in a couple leagues about because uh, I'm very excited about Bruce Arians landing there in Tampa. I think that they have some incredible pieces on that offense. I mean, if you think about uh, – I mean, and their offensive coordinator this past year did remarkable things. 
But, you know, Bruce Arians made David Johnson a superstar. And you saw what's happened to David Johnson since, since Bruce Arians left Arizona. I'm not saying that Ronald Jones is the next um, David Johnson. But, man, I, again, he has draft capital. You mentioned it. He did absolutely nothing. When he did get on the field, he looked pretty, pretty lost. But he's a young guy. And if you think about that offense, they're, they're bringing Jameis Winston back. They've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, potentially Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard. I mean, that team is going to have to be respected in the, in the uh, downfield passing game. And Bruce Arians is a guy that likes to throw to the running back. And I think that Ronald Jones has a real opportunity this offseason. The problem for me is that I'm guessing that the guys that own him probably paid a late first for him potentially last year and it could be really difficult now that the, the the time to buy ronald jones which would have been a little riskier was before the bruce arians hire i think with that hire it's probably i don't think i'd pay a late 2019 first for ronald jones um i think that's a little risky but i think that's what you'd have to pay to get him honestly like if i if i spent the 111 last year on ronald jones and now bruce arians is the coach there i'm not selling him for the 111 in the 2019 class you know like well, it'll hit me up. I'll sell them for late first, and I've got them a couple of leagues where I'm Trey. So I, I'm a little bit less um, bullish than you are. Um, I mean, I like the Bruce Arians hire a lot. Um, I don't think Deshaun Jackson's going to be there just as an FYI because they can cut him and save $10 million against mm-hmm. the cap. So, um, so let's say they cut some of their expensive veterans. It appears, according to this Bucks Wire article that I found, they will have about $25 million in cap space. Um, a lot of people have, have theorized that, oh, maybe on Le'Veon Bell goes there. I don't know with all the other needs because they're going to have to pay, you know, uh, the rookies they draft. They're going to have to address their defense. I, I think maybe they pay for another, um, you know, uh, speedy wide receiver possibly. Or maybe they draft somebody. I, I don't know if they've got enough uh, money to go after Le'Veon Bell, what he's going to want. So I don't see that. But I don't know about Ronald Jones. I mean, he's one of those guys that, uh, I don't know. It just seems like there are too many red flags with him. I mean, you, you could be right. You could be right. But, um for me, he's like a hold. If I have him, I'm just going to hold him. But I don't know if I want to go out and acquire him. I just, I don't know. Just yeah, I agree. I, I think that the price is going to be too high. I would be willing to pay like a mid to late second for him. And I just don't think you're going to get him for that. So, I, Trey, I kind of did what you did. Oh, another thing, I, you, you, you referred to Karrion Johnson for a second. One thing I want to mention, um, that the news came out right before we started recording that Daryl Bevel – is the new offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. And that is great for Kerryon Johnson. So you might want to, if you really want Kerryon Johnson, I think the time to strike is ASAP before people realize what's going to happen there in Detroit because they're going to run the ball a lot. And I think it, it, um, it kind of makes what's going to happen with Kenny Galladay a question mark. I thought about this, talking about Kenny Galladay on the show tonight because of this news about, about Bevel. And I'm like, where, what do I want to do with Kenny Galladay? Because on one hand, I really like the talent. But on the other hand, that offense is definitely going to be this run-first offense. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to think about Kenny Galladay. I'm still, still kind of pondering that in my mind. I um, just wanted to throw that out there. But I want to talk about some rookie quarterbacks, thinking about super flex leagues. And what I want to do in terms of buys is I want to acquire any rookie quarterback for the right price that's not named Josh Rosen. And I'm going to talk about why I don't want to acquire Josh Rosen here in a little bit. Um, so, first of all, Lamar Jackson. I think it's wonderful that Lamar Jackson had a horrible game in the playoffs because people are very down on him. I know his ADP is still pretty high. The January ADP, wasn't he like the number 10, 11, 12 quarterback? Um, 
And, and oh, he was Trey saying number nine quarterback ADP. But you know, but when you saw that, when Ryan McDowell tweeted that on uh, out, there were a lot. Of, the reaction on Twitter was like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy Lamar Jackson for that. He's he's totally overvalued. I would totally sell him right now if you can. So I think that perception of him is going in the gutter. Um, Matt Waldman just put out a great uh, podcast. His his um, RSP podcast, and and one of the things that he advised was, you know, let's pump the brakes here. Lamar Jackson still has some really good traits, really good abilities. It's his first year. Uh, let's wait and see how he develops. So Lamar Jackson, if I can get him for the right price, I am interested in acquiring him. Remember, he's one of those Konami code guys. So he's interesting to me. I think Sam Darnold is a guy that I, I really liked. I really liked him last year. I think um, there's going to be some question marks, you know, with, um, with, with um, Adam Gase there and, you know, looking around the room with his creepy eyes, whether this guy can lead him to be this – a great quarterback, but he had a, um, a quarterback ranking of, of 75, over 75 this year. And that's one of those benchmarks. That means you're going to be probably at least an average quarterback. Well, I'll talk more about that later. And then um, Josh Allen. Josh Allen is still a guy that people believe in, but he put up some big numbers. He showed some spark. I think he's interesting. I think it's, in some leagues, you can still get him for the right price. So in those super flex leagues where I want to try to get some, some more quarterbacks on my roster, I like all those rookie QBs. Just, I, I don't want any rookie QBs drafted in the first round. Um, name Josh Rosen. Uh, obviously, I think uh, Baker Mayfield is, is going to be hard to acquire. I think he's you know, probably going to be going to be very expensive. Not that I don't like acquiring him, but you're going to pay a lot. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I really like this take. I think that, um, and, and to be honest, I know it's going to sound kind of crazy, but of the three of these guys, it's pretty easy for me, the one that I want to acquire shares of, and that's Josh Allen. And part of that is because I feel like he's got the highest ceiling. I think he's got the running ability that Lamar Jackson does, but his arm talent is significantly better. Um, the draft capital investment significantly better. And um, I, I just think that his ceiling is higher and his price is lower. So if you give me a higher ceiling uh, for lower cost, I think that's where I would be looking to buy. And, and I've looked into acquiring a couple uh, copies of Josh Allen across leagues. And, um, I, you know, he, he's kind of a tough guy to value right now, but um, I, he's the guy that I like of that group. I, li I like his future a lot. The, the glimpses, there were a lot of question marks last year, but you know, what he showed this year was that he has, um, the it factor, you know, he, he obviously looked really bad in, in a few, but let's not pretend, I mean, Lamar Jackson looked pretty bad in some instances throwing the ball. When you take away his running ability, you take away both of their running ability. I was a little more impressed with what Josh Allen did with the talent that he had around him. Um, and so I, I I'm excited about his, his future. So, Will, are you going to take on these rookie QBs or are you going to jump right into a sell candidate? <laughs> well, I, I want to mention quickly, my buy out of those is Sam, Sam Darnold, easily. Uh, Adam Gase, made Brock Osweiler winning quarterback this past year. I want to see the Jets go. But I do feel like Sam Darnold came in the league, couldn't drink beer. Like, he's a young kid. And he got forced into a starting lineup. And he, I don't know, I think that his future is still very bright. He's had he had some horrible, terrible games. Like he had four interceptions and no touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins, and he missed games. But I think his upside is much higher than than Josh Allen's right now. Josh Allen got fantasy points from his running ability, and that nobody cared about the Bills. That it, it's, uh, I I do I think I think Josh Allen I underrated, and I, I'd still buy him. But 
between him and like Darnold, I'd think I, I'd give uh, Allen in like early second for for uh, Darnold in the second in the superflex league, maybe even like a late first. I, I think Sam Darnold's he's got the potential to be a star. Yeah, I, I well said. I, I, lo- I love Darnold. Um, yeah, I think Darnold may be – I don't know if any of these guys are safe, but I feel like he's the safest of this list. I, I think with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, there's some risk. I, I mean, but I, I like the upside of Josh Allen, as Trey said. So uh, I think they're all intriguing names. Let, let's move on. We've got just a couple of minutes to mention a quick sell. So, Will, uh, maybe you're going to shock the world with this one. Who's your sell? And I, 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 hope, I, mean, I hope it's a good one that you guys will all appreciate. I'm telling Melvin Gordon – where, if I have him, and uh, I'm trying to get a little bit younger running back, or I'm trying to package him with something to move up to that Zeke Elliott, maybe maybe move up to that Saquon Barkley with like a good receiver, and like like a really good receiver, like a like a like a Melvin Gordon and Stephen Diggs for uh, Saquon Barkley or something like that. Not that that would be accepted, but just a, a realm of possibility. So uh, one thing that I think is important is is Melvin. He's he's had a lot of rushes, and I think he's taken a lot of hits. And he hasn't been all that healthy throughout his career. And he's, he's flash. And the Chargers are good, and they've been in the press so much this year that, in general, that if you're not even watching down, or listening to Dynasty stuff or looking into it, he, he, you just feel better about owning Melvin Gordon as a running back. And I think now is the time to sell. So he has just under 900 uh, carries in the, in the NFL, and then just under – or he has 182 catches – Plus, what he did in college, which I think is long forgotten, he had 343 carries his last year at Wisconsin. Uh, uh, you know, he only had 19 catches, but this guy has been he's, – he's not a big running back. We've never seen him as an actual bruiser or this, this complete guy that can take all these hits all the time. So, for me, Melvin Gordon is, is a sell because with the hype that you can run through the playoffs and what they had this year – Plus the love of the, I feel like there's a weird uh, amount of love for the Chargers this year. This is this is the time to move him, and he's only rushed for a thousand yards once. It was last year, and he that's the only time he played all you know all sixteen games. He hasn't played all sixteen games before that, and I think that we're underrating Melvin Gordon's injury risk along with the workload that he. I don't think he can carry. You know, I, I think well when I look at all the guys that are going in the top, you know, first round, you know, I'm looking at January ADP and I look at the list, you know, Melvin Gordon to me looks like the clearest sell candidate. Um, so I, I like this take. I think you're right. I think there are some concerns. We've seen it time and time again with running backs. Um, they're, they're viable. And just like that, they drop off the cliff and they lose so much value. So um, yeah, I, I like this take a lot. Yeah. So my guy is Juju Smith-Schuster and, and, you know, I just, everyone out there, take a breath, take a deep breath. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not good. I know he's, he's an exceptional wide receiver um, and he's very young and he's super fun follow on Twitter. However, I'm a little concerned that he is currently wide receiver six in ADP wide receiver six. And I believe that in the coming 24 months, he's going to, lose the best wide receiver in the NFL opposite him to draw coverage away. And he's going to lose what I believe probably either this off season or next off season, a hall of fame quarterback. And I just think, again, I still think he's going to be viable. I still, still think he's a wide receiver one for the coming years, but there's guys like Mike Evans and Amari Cooper that are being taken behind him that I think I would love to pivot to and get something on top. 
it's not that I think he's going to just go away. I just think kind of like my, you know, what sounded ridiculous a couple off seasons ago when I said that I would sell Mike Evans and David Johnson when they were basically, the, you know, right up there as the one-on-one overall in Dynasty Startup. Has nothing to do with me not liking the talent. Has everything to do with me feeling like his value has absolutely peaked. I mean, he's being taken like a, a few spots after Michael Thomas. Like, you know, I'll throw in an early second and Juju for Michael Thomas. I mean, I, even though Drew Brees is going to go away eventually, like, I feel like Michael Thomas is more – anyway, I just think that it's time to capitalize on peak, peak value, and, and so I would be looking to move Juju. I, lo- I love this. I think that's a great, that's a great sell. Like yeah. if, if you're a wide receiver 15 or wide receiver 12 even, I would not even consider selling him. But, man, wide receiver six, I was like – I mean, he's a, he's a, a first-round startup pick right now. That's just – that's high. No, nothing to add. I'll, I'll just quickly mention my last one. I alluded to him earlier. It's Josh Rosen. So, guys, since I, – I believe since 2000, there have been 39 quarterbacks drafted in the first round. A lot of those guys have had a QB rating over 75 their, their first year, but there are 17 guys that have had a QB rate rating lower than 75. And there's some uh, guys that have made it in the NFL, like Matt Stafford. But of, of these guys – that have a rating lower than 75. There have been 17 of them. Only 24% of them, only four of them have gone on to become franchise QBs since 2000. And when we're talking franchise QBs, we're talking about guys that stay in the league. We're not talking about elite quarterbacks. Even more concerning, all four of those QBs were the number one overall pick in their draft. Rosen wasn't taken until number 10. Um, this is from revengeofthebirds.com, by the way. I'll put the link in the show notes. I'm just, all I'm saying about Rosen is, I don't like where his head is at. I don't know if he has the mentality to be an NFL quarterback. The Cliff Kingsbury experiment is starting in Arizona. I don't want to have a quarterback that's a part of that. I just think there are numbers, performance, all the signs are showing that Josh Rosen is going to be a bust in the NFL. I want to get out now. Is it possible that I lose on this bet? Sure, but I want to get out and get the value that I can now. Sell Josh Rosen. And I think we're almost out of time. So let's get out of here with that. Um, we are the Fancy Joes. Follow us at FF Joes on Twitter. You can listen to our show every Sunday in the off season. We've got some fun stuff coming up in store for you this winter and spring and summer. <laughs> summer. The stick. I mean, I mean, hell, we'll give you all the seasons. <laughs> Hot outside, cold outside. It doesn't matter. The Fancy Joes are coming at you with some great dynasty content we're like a warm snuggle (laughs) the new tagline we're like a warm snuggle i like that (laughs) all right guys well thanks for listening um we'll we'll talk to you uh we are the fancy joes